Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much. Today is a great show. We've got a special guest on today. You know him. You've heard of him. You may even be one of his subscribers, one of his clients. It's Dustin Harris, the appraiser coach. Dustin, how are you? Oh, my gosh. I couldn't be better. I'm on with Tim Anderson. <laughs> well, Dustin, I appreciate the fact that you're here. I've had the opportunity to be on your show a number of times, and I appreciate the fact that you're willing to take time out of your busy schedule to meet with me so that my listeners can hear you talk about some of the orders of the day, some of the issues of the day when it comes to appraising. Dustin, we have, you and I have spoken uh, privately about uh, various areas, but you indicated that two that are on your mind to some extent right now are what's happening in California with uh, AB5 and then what is happening with the VA relative to it lifting its uh, prescription against trainees doing appraisals. So let's talk about the first one. For, let's talk about the one in California first. What's going on out in California? What, what is happening out there? And how is it going to affect the real estate appraisal business? Well, let me begin, Tim, by thanking you for the opportunity to be on your show. I, as you know, spend a lot of time on the other side of the desk, and it is a privilege and I would say a deep honor to be on this side of the desk. I think this is going to be fun. Uh, question is a great one. Um, and of course, what we're referring to is Assembly Bill number five uh, on January 1st of 2020. This went into effect in the state of California. And uh, the gist of this is, you know, for lack of a better term, in layman's terms, they have really cracked down on what we would call independent contractors and uh, um, what they can, if you, you know, if you don't mind me saying this, get away with. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, who's a contractor and who's an employee. And uh, this affects appraisers in two ways. And we can go down either road you would like, Tim. Um, of course, it affects appraisers as they are contractors. You know, say, for example, if they work for AMCs, uh, typically that, that happens with a W-9. It happens at the end of the year with a 1099. Uh, and thus, we call ourselves independent contractors. Uh, but the other aspect is as business owners, we often hire individuals, whether that be other appraisers or staff. And uh, many times we set them up as independent contractors, of course, depending on how they fit. And so, again, Tim, this affects us as appraisers, as contractors and as business owners. OK, well, let's take a look. Let's go down both roads. Let's start okay. with, with let's start with the first road. You're Fred appraiser out there. And you do work for a bunch of AMCs. You also contract yourself out to a number of other appraisers to pick, do work for them. You know, they get busy. They need some help. They hire you to come in and, and, and take up some of the slack. What does, what does House Bill 5 pretend for Fred Boots on the Ground appraiser? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Um, and and the answer to this, Tim, you ready for you ready for it? Okay. Um, if if I had a drum roll on all of these little <laughs> buttons that I get to play with here, and I think I do, but I don't know which one it is, I would play okay. the drum roll. Right. So go ahead, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, cymbal crash. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> 
And the reason I don't know is this is new. And with any legislation that's new, um, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, what what type of legislation uh, will happen? What type of enforcement will happen? How strong is that enforcement? How detailed is that enforcement? I will say this, though. Um, you cannot ignore uh, Assembly, Bill, Assembly Bill 5 in California. Now, some individuals would say, well, I don't work in California. I'm not a Californian. I live in Idaho. I live in Florida. How is this going to affect me? Well, just this last week, Tim, I received an uh, email from a very big AMC who will remain nameless. Uh, but let's just say everyone would recognize the name of this AMC. And they sent out a notice that uh, basically was a warning that said, whether you live in California or not, you need to be aware of Assembly Bill 5 uh, because it may affect you. Now, it may affect you in the sense that you may be doing with business with either a client or even a homeowner, even a borrower in California. How will this affect you in that sense? In other words, if I in Idaho am doing an appraisal uh, in the Sun Valley area where uh, somebody who is a California resident is buying a second home, does Assembly Bill 5 affect me? Well, again, I don't know, but it is something to be aware of. Now, Tim, I think it's important that we probably back up a little bit because I, I assume that most of your listeners are well-informed, they're smart, uh, they're intellectual, they study these things. Um, but for the few who may not be aware of Assembly Bill 5, I think it's important to point out the ABCs of Assembly Bill 5. And in particular, and by the way, I'm reading directly from the Employment Development Department's uh, memo that came from California to myself, which incidentally, I used to have an employee and it was not a contractor, but an employee in California. And that's why I received this letter. Um, but they uh, start the letter, Dear Employer, on January 1st, 2020, Assembly Bill uh, 5 went into effect. Then they go on to describe what that means. And, and Tim, if you'll oblige me, I'd just like to read these three bullet points. Oh, please, go ahead. Important. A, so you basically need to make sure that when you hire a contractor, okay, or you are a contractor, okay, and specifically this letter is written to employers, but when you hire a contractor, they must meet three requirements. Now, before I go into the requirements, let me back up for just a second. And most appraisers are aware that anytime you hire a contractor, and this is in any state because this is federal tax law, that you should go to Google and you should type in tests for contractors. And I don't know, there's four or five there, uh, I think four main ones. But my counsel, and, and uh, you know specifically this is a, both attorneys and accountants in the past have told me that in general, the IRS is very in the gray area where it comes to contractors, meaning you don't have to necessarily meet all four tests that you'll find on Google when you, when you do that search. But in general, you have to meet the majority of them, or when an IRS audit happens, they have the ability to be able to reverse the decision, which would include you know, penalties and interest if you felt like, or if they felt like rather, that you classified an individual as a contractor that should have been an employee. How is this different? Well, it's different because the state of California said that you don't just have to have the majority, you must meet, and by the way, this is in bold, all three of the following requirements. Those, those requirements are A, the individual is free from the control and direction of the hiring entity in connection with the performance of the work, both under the contract for the performance of the work and in fact. B, the individual performs work that is outside the usual course of hiring entity's business, and C, 
the individual is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as that involved in the work performed. That's a lot of gobbledygook. That's a lot of lawyer talk and legalese. But boiled down, Tim, the way I read this is if you're going to be an independent contractor, okay, so let's talk about it from the appraiser's standpoint first, not as the employer, but as the employee. If you are an independent contractor, then in order to meet that in the state of California, okay, you cannot have any direction in the hiring or the performance of your work from the, uh, from the, the, the individual that hired you. That's a big one. And that's the big unknown. How much direction can an AMC give you in the performance of an appraisal, for example, before it steps over the line from independent contractor to employee? Okay, let, and now, the other, let, me, let me jump in here and ask sure. you a question. Yeah. Okay, so you're the AMC. I'm the contractor appraiser, and I got a problem. So I call you up, and I say, here's my problem, and then say, what should I do? Now, mm-hmm. are you the employer AMC at that point stepping over the line where I am no longer a contractor but becoming your employee, or are you merely answering a question that I asked simply because I don't have anybody else to go to except the person who hired me? I will say this um, so that I don't end up hanging myself. <laughs> I always like to place the blame on others, and, and I like to do them uh, namelessly. Oh, you're married. Uh, oh, I, okay. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> I have read blogs or articles from at least two lawyers who are familiar with the appraisal practice over the last couple of weeks who have both indicated uh, to tread lightly that it is very likely, uh, given this legislation, that that could be a problem. In other words, me, the contractor uh, appraiser, calling you the uh, entity with whom I entered into a contract, simply to ask a question could, based on what you said, based on what you're representing, those attorneys are saying could be the worst possible scenario. But it could be that that is stepping over that contractor employee line. Is that correct? Possibly. But one thing that I would back up on, and this is just my understanding, Tim, and again, I am not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. I don't even play one on a podcast. Uh, From my understanding, the, the liability in that situation is going to lie on the employer and not the employee. Okay. Now, let's carry on with that scenario. All right. I call you up. I have a problem. And I say, now, I'm not throwing this problem on you. I'm going to solve the problem because that's my job. I'm the appraiser. You hired me to appraise the property. And I'm going to solve that problem by taking steps A, B, and C. And as soon as I say that, you go, you can't do that. That'll kill the deal. You got to do something else. Now, I've never never heard those words. Never, never, ever heard those words before from an AMC. All right. Now, in that scenario, and granted, that's very narrow. I can see that point. But in that scenario, are you, the AMC, stepping over that employer contractor line? Yeah, again, I think that there's some gray area here, but I would say it's more black and white than it used to be. There's, uh, here's the funny thing, Tim. These these uh, rules or the, the sub rules that I just read to you, the A, B, and C, are not different um, in, in substance than what the IRS has laid out for years. The difference is, is that the state of California has now said you must meet all three requirements to be considered a contractor and they make it very specific as to what those things are and so i think that's where the fear if you will comes in 
uh, with a new legislation and what does this mean? And again, I said it, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but not really, Tim. When I said, I don't know, we don't know until until there starts to be penalties and there starts to be enforcement on this new new legislation. Nobody can know how far this is going to go and, and, and what these individual circumstances are going to uh, to bring to the surface. OK, now let me let me continue on with this line of questioning. Uh, I I do what I do, and you do what you do, and the the state of California says, ah, Dustin, nope, sorry, you stepped over that line. What penalty or penalties are going to face me as the contractor, and what penalties are going to face you as the contractor who stepped over the line and became an employer? Okay, so this is again where I get into uh, into the depths of the legalese that I don't uh, completely uh, don't even want to pretend to understand. I will give you my opinion, and I want to make it very clear: this is simply my opinion. And and my opinion says this: the the liability on this side lies mostly with the employer. Okay, let's let in fact let's just take take the state of California out of the picture for just a second, and let's just say a very real situation occurs with an appraiser in say I don't know Idaho. Okay, and 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 as an appraiser, hypothetically in Idaho, I desire I, d- I desire to hire uh, help. I desire to hire an employee, and at that point, I've got to make a decision. Well, am I hiring an employee W four, or am I hiring an employee W nine? In other words, am I hiring a direct employee um, for for all intents and purposes for the labor department under a W four contract, or am I truly hiring an independent contractor? If I go through that process. And as an employer, I decide that I can I can call this individual and, and, and shall call this individual a contractor. There is a financial benefit to the employer in the, in the form of a tax uh, situation because there are certain taxes I don't have to pay as a contractor or excuse me, excuse me, as an employer of a contractor. Those get passed on to the contractor themselves. In other words, there's an extra burden on a contractor where if they were hired as a W-4 employee, they would not have that same burden. And thus, my understanding is, if for whatever reason the state of California or the IRS, sticking with our hypothetical, let's just say the IRS comes to a hypothetical appraiser in Idaho and says, no, we disagree. Uh, this John Smith that you hired and you called a contractor and you and you paid them as a contractor for three years was not an independent contractor. They truly were working as an employee and you were simply trying to save money on taxes. At that point, you have three problems on your hand. You have, number one, you have the back taxes that you haven't paid for three years. Number two, you have penalties for not paying those taxes for three years. And number three, you have interest for not paying those taxes for three years. And I guess there's a number four that is not likely, but it's a possibility. Do you have criminal uh, problems as well because you were avoiding taxes? In other words, the, the, the problem lays more heavily on the employer than the employee because it was the employer that benefited from that uh, contractor situation. Okay. Now, given the fact that most appraisal offices are small and uh, the state of California comes along and says, okay, Fred, boots on the ground appraiser, you were an employer of employees, not contractors. So because we went back three years and you were a bad person, uh, we're going to hit you with $50,000 in back taxes, and we're going to hit you with uh, $10,000 in penalties, and we're going to hit you with uh, $5,000 in interest. All of a sudden, uh, Fred has a tax bill for $65,000. Most appraisers don't have $65,000 laying around doing nothing. 
therefore, is Fred boots on the ground appraiser in a situation whereby he could find himself declaring bankruptcy? Uh, in the scenario we're dealing with, my understanding is no, because again, that liability lays on the shoulders of the employer, which in this case would be the AMC. Because it remember, it's the AMC who benefits from the con- contractor situation. The employee, the contractor themselves have already paid their taxes and then some. And in that situation, if anything, they're in a much better position than the AMC. However, this goes to the second division that we talked about in the very beginning of the podcast. And that is what about we employers of others? Do we need to pay attention to this law? And I would say the answer to that is absolutely. Even even you sitting in Idaho doing no work in California are um, in the well, Go ahead. I, I would say I would say possibly. Now now again, I don't I'm not an expert. I don't fully understand the ramifications, but in the memo that I referred to earlier, not the one that came from the state of California, but the other one that came from the big AMC just a few days ago, there was a big question in that memo. How does this affect individuals who say, well, I don't live in California. I don't work in California. The problem is, is we are such a global economy. And let's just stick to the United States. We do work across state lines more often than we probably even realize it. Tim, again, I work I work areas that have lots of second homes. And let's just say a lot of those individuals live in California. Idaho and Wyoming are a very desirable place for second homes for somebody who lives in the big city like L.A. And uh, as a consequence, do I need to be aware of this? Absolutely. Uh, what about working with an AMC who happens to be based in California? I would I would dare say most of your listeners have no idea, as neither do I, have no idea where these clients that we work for are even located, where their headquarters are, where they have branch offices. How has that affected us? I don't know. And again, I think that we need to be aware. Um, how aware? I don't know. Again, there's so much in the, that is up in the air that we uh, that we just don't we just don't know yet, Tim. Okay, so there are some serious potential issues, but because it's so new, we really don't have any definitive answers. Is, is that a, a good summary of, of of the issue? I think so. And and I will say this: my as you know, Tim, my my role as a coach is more of a business coach than it is an appraiser coach. Right. You know, the, you know right. my, my name is the appraiser coach. I deal with appraiser business owners. In other words, I'm not there to teach you necessarily how to be a better appraiser. That's your job, Tim. I'm there to Thank teach you. you how to be a better CEO, a better business owner, a better president of your, of your company and make more money. And as a consequence, uh, one of the things that I teach quite often is what I call the law of delegation. In other words, getting help for the things that you do. I often use the doctor's office analogy where where I refer to the appraiser as the doctor. And you may spend 90 minutes from start to finish at a doctor's office, but you really only meet with the appraiser, excuse me, the appraiser. You only really meet with the doctor for about 10 minutes. And thus that, by the way, that's the most important 10 minutes, you know, of the visit. And that's really what's going to determine, you know, what your life is going to look like over the next few weeks or months or years or lifetime, as the case may be. You know, we're dealing with life and death situations when it comes to doctor's offices, but I see us appraisers as professionals, and thus we need to hire. We need to get help with the mundane, what I call tier one, tier two, uh, tier four work. Um, that is, uh, it is not the appraiser work, but it's somebody that can that can help the appraiser. As an employer of others, I've always got this question as to whether or not I should hire a contractor or whether or not I should hire a an employee, right, a regular W four employee. 
And I would say going through these simple tests that you can Google that I referred to earlier may not necessarily be enough anymore. Um, you know, they say that uh, that as goes California, thus goes the nation, right? I don't know how true that is. I don't know how many are going to follow suit. But I would say even probably three, four years ago, uh, many of my subscribers, my members, uh, both of the all-star team, the dream team saw me make a shift. I was very pro contractor several years ago. I, I avoid it like the plague anymore, unless it is a clear cut. There's no doubt. And I still have contractors, right? But in those situations, there is no doubt that they meet all the criteria that, uh, that are in this assembly bill. They meet all the criteria that the IRS, um, would, would lay out there. In other words, I'm very, very picky. And if there's any gray area at all anymore, I will lean towards uh, uh, the regular uh, W-4 employee. Okay, so Dustin, you're going to avoid the contractor route to go with the employee route just to avoid the liability. Is that correct? Well, to avoid the liability, but I would say it's more than that. Uh, I've done the numbers, Tim, and at least in the state of Idaho, it's right around, give or take, about 7% difference. In other words, for every dollar that I pay, I might have to pay a dollar seven for, um, you know, for a, an employee versus, uh, you know, saving that seven cents per dollar for a contractor. Well, is that seven cents on the dollar really worth the loss of control that I also have with a contractor? To me, as a business owner, there's more benefit than just the tax liability. Okay. So you're, you're going to go with the, with the employee as opposed to the contractor then? Unless it is clear cut, black and white, no gray area at all that they are a contractor. Yes. Okay. All right. Now let's cover the other subject in the same depth that we just covered this one. Let's talk about the change that the VA has recently made in one of its practices relative to appraisers. Would you be good enough to explain that to us, please? Uh, you know, I've got in front of me this memo. Um, this is, by the way, circular, if anybody's interested, 26 1931. Uh, and it, uh, it was issued on November 15th of 2019. And uh, it is called the Assisted Appraisal Processing Program or the AAPP. Okay. Uh, and basically, the gist of this is changing the rules and regulations when it comes to uh, those appraisers who work for the Veterans Administration. And the gist of it, I'll just summarize it, Tim, is, is the gist of it is, as long as the lender, okay, remember that the VA is the middleman here, as long as the, the initiating lender is okay with it, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be, but, but let's put that caveat in there. Uh, VA approved appraiser who gets the order to go out and appraise 123 Any Street can indeed make the call to send some other individual, uh, for example, a trainee or another appraiser out to do the inspection, non-supervised, unsupervised by the appraiser to go do the observation and the data gathering on site, the measurement, the photos, the, you know, the details on how worn the carpet is so that the appraiser can then do the write-up. Of course, sign the appraisal, indicate that they did not inspect but the liability obviously still lays on the signing appraiser, but they have the ability to make the call as to if they want to send somebody else actually out there to do the observation. And by the way, that went into effect January 1, 2020. Okay, so it's in effect now. What is, uh, okay, so a trainee now can go out and do an inspection. Uh, how yep. does that help an appraiser in his or her business? Explain that to me. Tim, I cannot underestimate how much I jumped up and down for joy when I saw this circular. I mean, as a, as, as a business owner myself, 
and then extend that to as a business coach for other appraisers. This is absolutely thrilling news for us. This is a step in the right direction. It's not perfect. There's definitely problems with it. As I read through the, uh, the memo, there's definitely some hurdles and it's, it's, there's some gray areas as well that I think we need to be careful with. But from a top-down perspective, this is exciting news. And the reason is that I now have an opportunity to further scale my business as long as I trust and have trained and supervise and oversee and audit and manage their work. If I trust an individual that I have trained personally and have gone out on inspections and I know they're not going to miss the mold underneath the kitchen sink uh, because they're trained to look for that kind of thing and they're trained to you know, recognize when they see it. Um, then I can, as a business owner, scale my business in such a way that uh, I can send individuals out to do observations and then trust their data gathering details to help assist me to produce a credible appraisal report. Okay, so the trainee is going out there. You don't necessarily have to go with the trainee. What about uh, what about uh, a, a contractor? You you call me up and say, uh, ignoring the fact that I'm 2,500 miles away, uh, you call <laughs> me up and say, Tim, I'm swamped. Will you get over to 1234 Elm Street and inspect it for me and send me the information? I go, sure. So I go over to 1234 Elm Street. I inspect it for you per Fannie Mae guidelines and requirements, et cetera, and send all that stuff off to you. Is that a problem? Tim, that's a great, great question. Uh, I would go to number three on the uh, on the memo, the circular that I indicated earlier, 26-1931. You can Google that, by the way. Uh, and number three says, ensure that the person who provides to the VA fee panel appraisal information under the AAPP signs or has signed the appraisal report in the appraiser section on the left side of the appraisal report, which means now the VA fee appraiser must also sign the report on the right side as the supervisory appraiser. So in this case, I would say the answer to your question is yes, with the caveat that they have to be an appraiser, either a trainee or have some type of a license. Otherwise, they have no business signing that left side. Now, let me raise one more issue before we wind up here today. A few minutes ago, you talked about there were some gray areas here. What what are the gray areas you're referring to? Well, one of the one of the gray areas, of course, is uh, what I referred to earlier. In that, uh, you know, the, the the lender themselves have the opportunity to make uh, the call whether or not the appraiser can send out another individual. I don't like this, and I'll tell you why I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it because I think it, it steps a little bit on our, on our independence as appraisers to make that call. We're, again, putting that back on uh, the lender. Frankly, this goes to our first discussion, Tim. You know, how much control over the process should the employer, in this case the AMC or the lender, have in telling the appraiser how to do its job? And if you've got a, a lender out there saying, no, 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 Mr. Dustin Harris, I know you like to send Scott out there to do inspections, uh, but we don't want that to happen. At that point, you start to question, okay, well, you know, how much of this is a business decision on my side? How much is of this is a liability call on my side as the supervisory appraiser? And how much are we allowing the lender to make that determination? There's also a couple other things in this memo um, that I don't know how much detail you want to get into, Tim. I would just encourage the listeners to read it. Well, what, whatever example, you're comfortable with, Dustin, go ahead. Well, I'll just say one example is if there is a tidewater, and again, I don't want to get too in the weeds, but anybody that does VA appraisals knows what that is. If you don't, Google it. We won't spend a lot of time on it. But if you have an appraisal that has a tidewater called on it, then the supervisory appraiser must go out. So it is very possible that the veteran, in this case, the borrower, 
might be put out with two different observations in the sense that you go out, you do the observation under Scott's name, and then you come back and realize there's a tidewater. And thus, I've got to now schedule another appointment with the with the, the vet to go back into their house a second time to do a walkthrough. So it gets a little bit sticky on some things. But overall, I'm not complaining. I'm absolutely thrilled that we're moving in the right direction here. And I hope that other entities will look at VA and say, you know what? That's good. I like this. Um, Tim, if you don't mind, can I talk a little bit about bifurcated uh, appraisal? Have at it, Dustin. This is great. Keep going. So one, one of the things that have come up when VA issued this, there was a lot of confusion, especially in the social media, because individuals were posting this memo and they were saying, hey, look, isn't this great news? The VA is going to allow other people to inspect. Well, if that's all you say in your little blurb, appraisers are going to immediately get their hackles up and say, well, wait a second. So the VA is going to now start doing bifurcated products? No, this is far from it. In the sense, is it bifurcated? Sure, because you've got one individual doing the inspection. You've got one individual doing the write-up. But this is far from the problems of bifurcated products that we've seen in the past, where you might have a third party going out that you have zero control over, you don't know this person, you've never met this person, but yet they're going out there da- data gathering on your behalf, and then you're supposed to produce a credible appraisal report based on that data of an individual that you don't know, you don't trust, and maybe you know, maybe we've got a use path issue because of, of, what it, of what use path indicates about you know, significant assistance and who can do what. My point, the reason I'm excited about this is I think this is VA's answer to the bifurcated products to say, hey, listen, we don't like what's going on out there with bifurcated products either. So we're going to nip this in the, du- in the bud by giving the power back to the appraiser, the supervisor appraiser, to choose trust and call on someone else to gather the data in their behalf. Somebody they know, they trust, they've trained, they can talk to. So a VA has taken this step. Do you think Fanny and Freddie are anywhere near taking this step? Oh, man, I would not dare speculate. Let me call up Fanny uh, real quick, and I'll get right back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, be that way. Unfortunately, (laughs) I don't have that kind of access. You know, I would say this. um, I think this is a great step in the right direction. Um, I do think that VA is highly respected. Uh, They run a great program. I've mentioned before on my own podcast that that they are my, you know, they're an A to an A-plus client for me. Uh, I love, love, love working with VA for a variety of different reasons. And I would hope that other entities out there would look to them and say, okay, you know what, if they're doing it and it's working for them, maybe we should try it as well. But I have to be realistic as well, Tim, and say, you know, they've had Tidewater in effect for years and years and years, and I haven't seen anybody else adopt that process either, which I love, by the way. I think Tidewater is an excellent step in the right direction. But unfortunately, those big entities don't see it the way I do. So your advice relative to Fannie and Freddie taking VA's advice would be appraisers don't hold your breath. (laughs) Uh, I would just, I would just plead the fifth on this one and just say, I have no idea. I'm hoping, I'm certainly hoping that they would go in that direction, but yeah, I, you know, how soon, how quick, and if they go at all, it's, it is an unknown. Well, Dustin, I want to thank you. It's very kind of you to take your time out to address all of us on these two issues. I appreciate your insight, especially, as well as your enthusiasm. I wish it were possible to go and get answers to some of the questions that we have, but I guess those are going to have to come. So, (laughs) Dustin, as we get ready to ride off into the sunset, anything else you'd like to add? 
No, Tim, I would just, uh, again, uh, thank you for this honor to, to be on your program. I, I think the world of you. You are a great podcast host, and I am, uh, I'm thrilled to share my opinions. I would, I would caveat again, these are simply my opinions, uh, and uh, there is a lot up in the air as to, you know, on both of these subjects where things are going to go. But uh, as a business coach, I'm excited about some of the events that are happening with VA. I'm a little bit, uh, you know, leery, if you will, of some of the things happening with the state of California. And I think that for appraisers to just ignore either one of these issues is probably a mistake. Appraisers need to be informed. They need to be making decisions based on what's happening. Uh, and, uh, and hats off to your listeners uh, for listening because they're here to learn, they're here to grow, they're here to get smarter, and they're here to be, make better business decisions as a consequence. Dustin, thank you. I appreciate it. You're very kind. My best to you, my best to your family, and we shall talk soon. Thank you so much. I yeah, appreciate it, and uh, I hope that you, you can't hear the outro music here, but I hope everybody else can. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it. This is Tim Anderson, the appraiser's advocate. I'm here for you. Contact me at Tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. It'll be my pleasure to work with you. We're clear. Okay, Dustin, I think that's going to get it done.